Christmas, we kind of affirm that as we eat together and spend a day together. Our, our church has a theme this year. You'll have seen it on the wall coming in. Belong your place in the family of God. Because we're saying that church is, is, should be a family of people who follow Jesus, who are, who are part of God's family. And so I guess this is our family time. So have a look around. Uncle Adrian. <laughs> Auntie Maud. Oh, Uncle Tony, dearie me. They're a weird mob. But it's okay, because this is where I belong. These are my people. Um, I love them all. Christmas, you see, it's, it's really all about belonging. Christmas is about the outsider finding a place in the family of God. Christmas is about forgiveness and acceptance and embrace and belonging. That's what we've been singing about, peace on earth, joy to the world. <clears throat> this Christmas morning, what I want to do is very briefly race through the entire Christmas story and a little bit more and show you that it's all about belonging, even for the most unlikely, even for the outsider, that we all have a place in the family of God. You see, Christmas is a, it's a family story from first to last. It starts with a family tree. Who's my kin? That reading that Liz brought to us. There's two, two Gospels that have the Christmas story. Matthew's Gospel. Thank you, Elizabeth. Luke's Gospel. Thank you, David. Yet she started with all that boring stuff, and she wasn't even ready for all those weird names. She did a great job. But it was boring. Just father this and father it goes, we only read a little bit, it goes from Abraham through to King David, the exile, Jesus, the Messiah, the King, born. Father, 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 father. Oh, okay, they had some fathers. But there's four women in there, only four, which is kind of odd, because why would you put women in this genealogy when we're just tracing the men? We just, they don't, didn't do that. And when you look at the women, man, are they a weird bunch. Verse 3. Judah, he's the father of the Jews, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, a, a big man, was father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Tamar was actually Judah's, Judah's daughter-in-law. But her husband died. Boom. No kids. So she went to another of Judah's sons and he died. No kids. This woman's cursed says Judah, so she treats her, though she's young, without children, like a widow, and she pushes her to one side. And Tamar's thinking, this is going to be my life. Off on the side is a widow hidden away. And so she makes a trip. She hears that Judah's going out somewhere, so she dresses herself up as a prostitute, puts a veil over her face, goes out, comes up, meets Judah, and says, offers her services. Judah gladly accepts with her father-in-law. Later, she goes back, living a normal life, but child begins to grow. People find out, Tamar's pregnant. Judah comes out and says, you must die. How dare you betray my sons this way? Now, payment for services, guess what? Tamar pulls them out and says, Judah, you paid me, mate. You're the father. Shame, shame, shame. She survives. She has two kids. 
Selma, and Perez. Perez is in the family line of the Messiah, of King David, born to Tamar. Oh, what a woman. Trickster, survivor, outsider. She belongs. Verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now, Rahab is in the city of Jericho. Israel is coming into the promised land. They come to the city of Jericho. She is a Canaanite enemy. She, she's a woman. She's a prostitute. Three strikes, girl, you are out. Get out of here. Rahab receives the Israelite spies and looks after them and stays, and she's accepted into the community, and she becomes the mother of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Edom, whose mother was Ruth. He's the third woman, Ruth. Now, there's a whole book in the Bible about Ruth. It's a lovely story. We think she's a bit of a hero. But Ruth was a Moabitess. She'd been married before. The whole story of this book is partly her being accepted amongst Israel, amongst the people of God. And, and to make things even for there's this funny bit in the little story of Ruth where Ruth meets Boaz. He's a wealthy man. He's got fields. He's growing wheat and barley in the fields. He's in the threshing floor. He gets drunk one night, falls asleep on the threshing floor. Ruth dresses up, goes in. What's she, 23, 24 years old? He's 40, 45. Slips into the threshing floor and lies on his feet in the middle of the night. He wakes up and says, Honest me, there's a woman at my feet. And frankly, she's all right. They get married. Ruth becomes the mother of, who is it? Jesse, Obed, the father of Jesse. She's the mother of Obed. Jesse's the father of the great King David. Ruth is David's great-grandmother, the outsider. Now, there's one more woman. Verse 6, David, the great King David, the great hero of the Bible, was the father of Solomon. We've heard about Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. She's called Bathsheba. She's not even named here, so shameful as you see. She's married to this guy Uriah. He's a general in David's army. He's out at war, fighting for the kingdom. Meanwhile, she, his wife, is bathing on the roof in full view of the king's palaces and the king's private residence. The king looks out his window one day. He's not out at bed. Oh, that's a bit of all right. Oh, I wouldn't mind some of that. So they organize it. Gets her over, affair blossoms, guess what? She gets pregnant. Oh, what are we going to do about Uriah? Because he's been out at war. So David sends Uriah into battle and gets him killed in battle and ends up marrying Bathsheba. Happy, happy story. Lovely woman. And Bathsheba is the father of the great King Solomon. You see the pattern here? The outsider is actually part of the family. The family tree for Emmanuel, for God with us, the Son of God who is born of a Virgin Mary. Well, there's one more woman mentioned in this. There's actually five women. You know her name. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah, the King. That's a nice story. Mary's good. Everyone loves Mary. Mary is a young girl. She's engaged. She's living way up north in Nazareth, complete backwater. 
and she becomes pregnant. God chooses this young woman in Nowheresville to become pregnant with the Christ child, with the Son of God. Pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So suddenly, here she is engaged, she says, I'm pregnant. Shame. You're pregnant, you're, married. you're going to be marrying Joseph. Shame. Joseph, no. Shame. 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 Mary's an outcast. Joseph, to do the right thing, as we read, wants to protect her. So he says, I'm going to divorce you quietly, not make a fuss about this. We'll just get on with our lives. God comes by the angel and says, no, Joseph, that's the Messiah. You're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from sin. So Joseph sticks by him. So now the situation, we've now got this couple pregnant before they're married. Shame. Shame for the two of you. Shame. King comes to the, thr- uh, the the Roman emperor says, I need to count everybody, get back to your ancestral homelands. So this young couple make a very, very, very long trip from way up north to way down south to the town of Bethlehem where the family came from. These outsiders. And when they get to Bethlehem, they're so important... They're so important, they're such critical people that they say there's no space for you, but there is a cow shed. You can. She's pregnant. She's this big man, but you can go out and stay where the animals stay. That's how much you're an outsider. That's how much you belong in this town. And while they're there, she gives birth to a son. And where are you going to put your little boy? Where the animals eat. He's born as an outsider. They don't belong. What a crazy misfit family. You want to hear our family history, man? How much they loved us. But Jesus is born in humility with nothing because he's come to save the outsider. He's come to save the misfit. Let's continue the Christmas story. Now, we're going to move on to we've done family tree we've done the direct family that he lives in family of origin what about the visitors who come to visit when he's born that's in luke's gospel because you know visitors are really important when a baby's born if you've ever had a baby first thing you do is you get on the phone and you tell and then the first people who come to visit you in hospital are the family so who are the first people to visit God's son's just been born, the son of God, the Messiah, the saviour. Who are the first people to visit? Who are the first people to hear? Prophets, priests, kings, rabbis. Luke chapter 2, we read it earlier, thank you David. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you guys, you shepherds, good news that will cause great joy for all people. Here's the news. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You're going to go find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a cow trough. You've seen those lovely Christmas cards. Cards, you know, there's a shepherd, he's got a white thingamajig on with a red thing and a blue blah. 
and he's holding a little crook this big and, and the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Saviour's birth, right? So idyllic. I have been in Central Asia and Mongolia and I've seen people doing that very real thing, keeping watch over their flocks by night. We still have them in our world, people who look after sheep unpenned through the night to protect them. It is a hard and lonely and filthy, smelly, cold, rough existence. I've seen their tents. I've seen the isolation. I've seen their smelly animals and their dogs. They are at the bottom of society. You imagine parents 2,000 years ago. Jacob, if you don't start behaving and respecting your elders and studying hard... Do you really want to be a shepherd when you grow up? Because that's all you're going to be, young man, if you keep on going this way. They are literally outsiders. They don't belong in the high and fancy places. They are out. But who gets the announcement? The Messiah has been born. Who's first? Who gets to visit first? The shepherds. Because they belong. There's a place for them. And they see and they spread the word, the Saviour's been born. But no, 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 there's other visitors, isn't there? There's other visitors, you know, we three kings are the three wise men. Well, actually, the three wise men, we don't know if there's three or not, but they're properly called magi. They're most probably, they're definitely foreigners, they're not Jews. They're most probably from Babylon, which is the great, great, evil enemy of the Jews throughout the whole Bible. And magi are astrologers, people who interpret dreams, magicians. That's where we get the word magic, magician from, the word magi. They are occultists. They are probably wealthy and powerful. And they come all the way on a long journey following the signs and the scriptures that they've been given into Jerusalem. And they go to the priests and the king. And the priests give them advice, but they ignore their own advice. The king, he's interested because he actually wants to kill the Christ child. And he deceives them. The magi, the outside, see the people who belong, they want to get rid of Jesus. And the people who don't belong, what are you crazy foreigners doing here, you, you occultists? They come and they bring gifts and they're welcomed and they worship. The whole story is for the outsider, that they might belong. The story continues because, you know, the Christmas story is just the start. Jesus grows up in, a, in the backwater. He's a carpenter's son. He's a nobody. He begins his ministry. When he begins to say, I've, I've got a calling from God, he gathers 12 disciples to him, which include a tax collector. Boo, hiss, hated above all. They include fishermen. They include a zealot, a political radical, you might even say terrorist. Outsiders. He travels all over, he teaches, he misses. His Sermon on the Mount, his greatest recorded of extending teaching we have in the Scriptures, begins with this. Jesus first says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit's who I came for. He reaches out to tax collectors, boo, hiss, and double it again. And loves them, he reaches out to sinners. Sinners, there are so many stories in the Gospel of Jesus Loving and caring and being with women of ill repute. 
who are the absolute outsiders, the forgotten. He came for the outsiders. He accepts lepers, the unclean, the unclean, the dangerous. He heals the lame and the blind and the demon-possessed. They're under a curse. They're under a curse. Jesus loves them. He welcomes them and he is opposed by who are his enemies? Well, the elite, the establishment, those who belong, those who have the power, the religious rulers, the mighty and the powerful hate him. Tables are turned, Matthew chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house with many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples for there were many of those who followed him, the tax collectors and sinners. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Are you having lunch with tax collectors and sinners for Christmas? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not for the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous... But sinners, Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus came for the outsider. He came for the misfit. He came for the sinner. So Christmas, the coming of Jesus, is all about the outsider, the misfit, Coming and belonging and sitting at table with Jesus. The religious, the mighty, the powerful, those who are righteous in their own mind, they hated Jesus, they arrested him, they beat him, they humiliated him and they ultimately crucified him. They crucified him. Where did they crucify Jesus? Outside, out in the open, outside the city walls. Between two thieves. He is rejected. And there Jesus suffers the most shameful and painful death imaginable. He is cursed. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Look at him. You saved others. Can you save yourself? He becomes the outcast. He becomes the sinner. He is rejected. He must die. And in fact, this is why Jesus came. This is why we have Christmas. He came to die. In God's purpose on the cross, he takes our place in judgment. He dies the death that we deserve for rejecting God. He bears our sins. And even on the cross, as he's got one thief beside him and another on the other side, one of those outsiders who rightly deserve to die for their errors says to him, Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, we're going to feast together. Today, you belong, Mr. Outsider Thief. God's justice is served in Christ's death as he, the sinner, well, not the sinner, the sinner in place, the righteous one in place of us, is cast out and rejected. And as we trust in him, like that thief on the cross, so we can be forgiven and accepted and belong. And share in his resurrection life and find our place in the family of God. I'm trying to let you know that the Christmas story, which is the Jesus story, is the story of the outsider, of the sinner, coming in 
and sitting at the table and belonging and being restored. Is there a place for you at God's family Christmas? You can imagine yourself sitting around that great table. You're whole, you're restored, you're accepted. There's Tamar and Ruth, Bathsheba, the shepherds, even the Magi. Maybe even Uncle Sam. There's John. There's the thief on the cross. And there I am, forgiven. That is Christmas. I want to see a Christmas card like that. The great eternal Christmas feast. And today as you sit with your family and friends, in a sense I think you're sitting in expectation of that great day. A weird mob. (laughs) A bunch of oddities that should be outside. But you need somewhere to belong. You get these picture postcard ads or postcards or Christmas cards, people singing around the table, around the piano, people opening presents with joy. I've never been to a Christmas like any of those. They're not real. We don't live in those families. Christmas is about people like you and me. People, it's for people like your family, with your poor poor. And you're Arnie Flory. And in Christ, mixed up crazy people like your family can be made whole and restored and accepted and belong and find their place in the family of God today and for eternity. I hope you know just a taste of that, a foretaste of that as you care for one another today. Amen.